Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Alex Hirsch, creator of Gravity Falls. I'm Jason Ritter. I play the voice of Dipper. I'm Kristen Shaw. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> and I also do Mabel's voice. You certainly do. Yeah. Um, so this is Dipper and Mabel versus the future. This is an episode that we had been building up to for a very long time in the series um, where there's kind of two types of stakes that you can create in a story. There's sort of like world stakes and then there's like character social stakes. And I find that whenever you're watching a movie or a TV show and somebody suggests that the end of the world is coming, it doesn't really mean that much. You're like, okay, I hope they save the world. And you know they will. But you know they will. Yeah. Um, and relationship stakes tend to hit you emotionally so much stronger. So in season one, in the finale of season one, we see that they, they almost leave town. Um, Gideon almost takes over. Uh, and and we knew that season two had to really raise the stakes. So the, the vision of this was, let's try to set things into motion such that all of these characters who we love, who love each other, are placed at maximum odds. So Ford's entire existence in the series is basically a wrench in the relationships between Stan, Dipper, and Mabel. Um, that Stan has had a sibling who he didn't get along with and they've grown up having this horrible rift. And Dipper and Mabel are these two twins who love each other but are very, very different and are at this sort of volatile growing up moment where if something goes wrong, could they turn out like Stan and Ford? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Right. Um, and so this is the episode where their competing life trajectories are designed in such a way as to make it b- briefly plausible that Dipper and Mabel, such good friends who care about each, uh, each other so much, could have a break this big. Um, yeah. And, and the, the, because of the material being that heavy, like this is kind of a heavier episode in terms of thematically what we're doing. You know, it starts mm-hmm. out with this fun party, but by the end of it, you know, Mabel's got tears in her eyes and she just wants to run away. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, I, I'm curious for you guys, you know, you're both so good with comedy, but like when the show requires sort of a more serious tone, like does that, is that harder? Does that take more preparation or is it just like a flexing a different muscle? Go for oh, it. Oh, thank you, Jason. Um, well, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't really come into the mindset of what I do as comedy or drama. Like, I just think of yeah. it as this is, like, nothing's funny to me because nothing's funny to the character. Right. So it's just, like, yeah. So it's not harder. Like, it's just about, like, trying to sincerely get in their head. Yeah. And if that if, if in their head is something that usually they don't know what they're doing is funny if it's a joke for us. Or yeah. she's doing a bit. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't crack usually. But it is a little bit harder to get. To get sadder, I guess. Um, uh, how about you, Jason? Well, what's what was an interesting thing for for me in this is that I uh, I had never I had never only had sort of my voice to do. The That's your only work. tool to express. Yes, that. exactly. Yeah. So that was interesting to me that like if I was feeling something. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't necessarily had to worry about how it sounded. I just was feeling it, and I assumed that it it would you could come see through. on my face, yeah. or you you can see in some other thing. Um, so it was it was sort of interesting to to, but that I, I that was a lesson less with the sad stuff and more with some of the other things sure. that I was like, oh, I realize I talk a lot with my hands, which doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're doing right. it. Now. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So well, again, no one can see it. That's the challenge of voice acting because <laughs> an animator is half of your performance. 
Right, like, exactly. You, you like, and, and you have somebody else finishing your performance that you don't get to usually meet or see, and there's just this sort of like, I hope they figure it out. Yeah. I hope they connect with what I'm doing. Like, I set the lead, and they sort of finish it. Um, yeah. But that's a very unnatural thing. There's yeah, nothing if, natural they, about animation. What if they animate you, every line you say, they animate you doing air quotes around it, and then it just looks like you're <laughs> And being then you look sarcastic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think this is the first time we ever see inside. Is that the rich inside. kid car? The, the, the kid who's... Oh, that's it. That is the rich kid, yeah, from Fight Fighters. <laughs> we tend to... Usually that's less us being clever and more us just reusing a drawing because we don't want to do a yeah. new one. More like teen horror movie. High school is the worst. Classes get super hard. Your body just flat out turns against you. And worst of all, everybody hates you. <sighs> Can't do it. Can't do another year! My hormones are like a sweaty cage! I remember when I was in high school and I would see depictions of like people like singing and dancing through the halls. I was like, this is in no way relatable to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is this is a daily nightmare. I was like Wendy. This this monologue is exactly how I felt. I think I think Matt Chapman wrote this scene um, and really like got into a plausible thought that Mabel hasn't really thought about the future so much. And the idea that it might seem not fun to her. This Especially if even Wendy can be made fun if of. If somebody as cool as Wendy doesn't like it, suddenly Mabel's like, wait, this isn't like what yeah. I saw on TV. High school is rough. This episode I remember being extremely heartbreaking because growing up and and being a self-aware yeah. of it is, such is such a moment. heartbreaking thing. It is. Yeah. Well, and Mabel's a character who's a little bit more aware than she lets on. Like, she she likes doing bits, she likes playing around, and she prefers to live in this sort of younger space. But when necessary, she can kind of snap to a level of awareness. And to have a character like Wendy tell her, like, you're going to need to be like that all, all the time. Like, you can't yeah. just be like wacky Mabel. People will <laughs> eat you alive in here. You're going like, to have to lose your innocence. Like, oh, that's a, a terrifying thing. It's so thing. sad. Whenever I, like, see a kid who's about to be a teenager and they're still kind of, like, <laughs> that somewhere, <laughs> I get so sad for that. Yeah. Well, and it's like, it's... Look at that, guys! It's the spray <laughs> <laughs> this whole time. That that's a secret we kept to our chest for a very long time. I, I had I never wanted to explain Gravity Falls. I never wanted to say, "Oh, here's the answer. Uh, Gravity Falls is like this because this." Because to me, a mystery, an answer is never quite as interesting as questions. Like if a mystery is fully answered and then you think about it, you don't get that great feeling you used to get of yearning anymore. So, but I, I did want to suggest certain things about Gravity Falls' origin. So one of the things that I had always imagined was that Gravity Falls, the valley was formed by a giant, giant UFO that crashed through the mountains. Um, and our artists, I think Sean Jimenez was the first artist to draw this idea of a weird mountain range that had a cut in the side, like a flying disc had bashed through it. And so we cool. see that shape um, in season one, I think uh, I think in maybe Dreamscapers might be the first time we see it. Um, and I was actually surprised that fans didn't catch on so much to that one. I think it just felt like kind of a weird, wacky shape. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that fans caught immediately, but this one was a much less, much less people noticed that, yeah, that's a UFO right There's there. There's the code. There's the code, guys. Does is gra the name Gravity Falls, does that have any... Special. It is explained in um, one of the episodes, I think, uh, Irrational Treasure, that Trembly named it Gravi Gravity Falls after he rode a horse backwards into the valley. Um, <laughs> and uh -huh. was like, uh-oh, gravity is a real problem in this town. I I'm Quentin Trembly. Um, oh, will you describe I gotta, how... I got to mention our artists here, because this, this is probably one of the hardest 
backgrounds done by our team. You told me how you got this cool texture of the the oily. Kind oh of, yeah, um, our art director Ian. I just said I want it to look like alien texture, which is one of those things as a director like <laughs> you're just like, oh yeah, make it look like a thing I've never seen in my life. Get it done by two o'clock. Um, and he came up with this amazing idea of getting photos of abalone shells, which That's have that weird was. rainbow iridescence, mm, like oil. Yeah, that yeah. oil slicky iridescence yeah. and putting those textures into this so it looks like it's a material that doesn't come from Earth. I never would have thought of it. It's um, so cool. And some really brilliant shape decisions here where it's like all of these shapes are inspired by crop circles because that was like oh. a, a really big kind of urban legend thing kind of in the 90s in the days of X-Files was this idea that farmers... I don't know farmers, if it's an urban legend. It, is, I, mean, I think that's real. <laughs> it's They know how you they do it. You saw that documentary Signs? Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah. seen? Yeah, Michael uh, Showalter did it, and he always is like, "I'm in that movie." Is it? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, I have to movie. see it again. I, I mean, I, I was him. obsessed with stuff like crop circles when I was a kid. Me too. Um, like, the and truth I, is out there, guys. I always wanted to do an episode that like referenced UFOs, um, but I never wanted to see aliens because mm -hmm. to me that's. Yeah. Once you do, you do see it, their you bones. Top it's it. never satisfying. It's never satisfying. An alien depiction. I have yet to be like, yes. I was even watching ET the other day, and I was like. Boy, I'm glad I was little when this came out. Kind of no looks offense, like he's Spielberg. made out of nougat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to make an alien satisfying, particularly yeah. when, like, there are a few aliens in pop culture where, like, okay, the alien's an alien. Those are terrifying. They look like something that no human thought of. Like, but most aliens in most movies and shows, they feel like a riff on something you've seen before. They're and doing their best. <laughs> it's what about Close Encounters? <laughs> Isn't that just lights? I think that's just lights. You that's see the grays at the I end. I like that. Oh, yeah, you, you see, see one really one tall one. Oh, at the end, um, they, okay. But it's really hard to do. So, like, I, I really wanted to I wanted to give a suggestion of aliens but maintain the mystery. So the well, idea you do of, see their bones, right? Yeah, we, we see their bones. We see this ancient ship, um, and this was definitely inspired by The Thing, that, there's that big UFO oh, fought I out in the that. ice, yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie. Um, so scary. Oh, I love it, too. <laughs> Chris You've Christopherson. Who he's loves it in more? That movie. Wait, he's not? <laughs> no. No, he's not? No. I've seen it, and they're, like, fre freezing. It's freezing, and yeah, they're, it's like... Freezing. Yeah, I've you, seen it. You're thinking Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell is Chris Christopherson. I am. I know I've <laughs> they seen both it. can grow Every fabulous Every time it's beards. on TV, oh, my husband those, those keeps it Those alien bones. There's those alien bones. I leave it to the fans to figure out what those things would look like with, with flesh on them. Yeah. If it even is flesh. This description that Dipper gives right. of what he would do, what his future <laughs> is, minoring in it, like that, uh, Jeff Rowe uh, is our writer who came up with that piece of dialogue. <laughs> I it, love that. It's such a believable thing that Dipper has his entire life all planned out in his mind. This 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 was a difficult episode to write because th this is a scene where Ford offers Dipper this apprenticeship. And originally, before we had figured out this season, the reason that you see government agents in the first episode, we thought that at some point an agent would offer Dipper this oh, path. Cool. That it would be a government agent that's like, you're so smart, we want to make you like a junior agent. And like he gets a – originally this episode was like Dipper got some kind of letter – Either from a college or for, there's there's some kind of higher learning thing that Dipper had applied for and gotten and was trying to choose if he was going to do or not. Oh, cool. um, and we realized like this should be from a character for Pete's sake. Ford yeah. is Dipper's hero. It makes so much more sense. Like it was one of those things where it was so obvious that when we thought of it, we couldn't believe that it hadn't been our original <laughs> idea that Ford offers offers Dipper this apprenticeship because Ford sees Dipper as somebody who's special like himself. Yeah, um, and that's that's Ford's great flaw is arrogance. Is he believes that there's special people and everyone else, and that you can be held back by your siblings, maybe. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. That that, that human attachments are actually weaknesses. Yes. And and the the song and dance that he's giving Dipper right now is the exact song and dance that he gave McGucket back when they were younger, which right. is like, sure, you could continue working on your job and computers, but like, you and me are different. We're better than everyone else. We have a path that no one else can understand, right, exactly. and only us can do this. Um, and it's it's a very seductive idea for Dipper, um, but he starts to be a little insecure here. Um, he kind of can't believe it, and he's sort of right to be suspicious because Ford is, Dipper is a smart kid, but Ford's projecting. Yeah, Ford loves Dipper because he sees someone who will tell him yes to everything. Right, who will exactly. never challenge him, who will do a really insane, dangerous mission, and probably. If Dipper had taken Ford's apprenticeship, because I know there are some fans that are like, oh, this is a great offer. Dipper should just become a mystery hunter for the rest of his life, not go to high school, not go to college, not be around kids his age. Like, Dipper probably would have gone the way of McGucket. Right. Like, turned into a kind of insane, paranoid hermit with no friends, you know, <laughs> like, just kind of losing his mind. Um, like, it's a seductive offer, but ultimately, Dipper needs to learn not to try to grow up too fast. Yes. This whole next sequence, I have to say, is very impressive on behalf of Dipper. I mean, he does some real cool stuff. Yeah, Dipper's a cool guy, huh? <laughs> he's a cool guy. <laughs> I think he's, like, really cool. Uh, but, I mean, all of this of, like, flying through the... I mean, it's it's pretty... Uh, I mean, I don't want to ruin it. Well, let's see what happens. <laughs> well, we, it goes I, I always, pretty well. It, it was that we were straddling that line of how do we do a UFO episode and have it be satisfying and cool and exciting without showing aliens so this idea that there's some automation that there's a droid that maybe and and we were just riffing on flight of the navigator at this point i was point. about to ask i love like as a kid i don't know if i ever saw the whole movie but i have it's like, messed up deeply i have strong nostalgic memories for this idea watch of it again it's in one of these pods up he comes back and his family his is family like, doesn't recognize him, him and they don't believe him so sad but the, the like the ufo part of it's really enchanting as a it kid is. if you've ever seen that movie this idea that you could have your own kind of cool, almond-shaped, magical UFO that you could control. I want to watch that again right now. It was, uh... Oh, do you have nothing to do today? <laughs> no, I have stuff to do today. Something I was nostalgic I, for. What? Kristen... I don't know, it just sounded like you are going to have a nice day. I am going to have you a nice like, day, You were like, go home but... and watch a movie in the afternoon. It sounded great. <laughs> you can do that, too. I can. This is what I do. This is one of the rare times that I'm with Jason and Kristen at Mike's at the same time because Dipper and Mabel were always recorded separately. Yeah, that was a shame. I do wish we could have got them in more because more more chops busting. <laughs> more like this. You got a little bit of that good old-fashioned yeah. chops good old busting. Fashioned sibling chops busting. Um, our artist love. did a great job Whoa. of storyboarding this scene. Um, like, I mean, I didn't ever see Mabel do anything like this. <laughs> she punched a unicorn. She didn't fly no, through the air on a magnet. No, Dipper is really shining in this episode. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> Finally. He's, it's so interesting because Dipper has never felt like anyone appreciates him. Like, he's always felt misunderstood and, like, everyone just makes fun of his ideas. And this is the first person he's ever met who's like, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, like, losing Ford is kind of like losing himself. And it, it happened in the first episode of the season with the government agents who didn't believe him. Oh, and right. Dipper, at this point, is just like, I can't, I need this. Um, like, he, he thinks that he can't be enough on his own. Um, and it's sweet that he loves his uncle, but like it's definitely like these are the highest stakes possible for him. Yeah, we 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 wanted to believe that it was possible that Ford could die in the series. Uh, yeah, we, we thought that because he's a late character, these stakes seem believable. Like, like Ford might not make it. Um, even though in my gut, I knew that like the ending of the series needs to have Stan and Ford like together again. Like, thanks to Dipper and Mabel, they've overcome their issues. Um, but we want to at least believe it's plausible that they're not going to overcome their issues. 
Um, this whole thing with Dipper, like, Dipper's so confident that it doesn't detect his fear, doesn't make any scientific sense. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, like, maybe an interesting idea of sort of showing his character arc. If only Wendy could have seen that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene coming up with um, Mabel after this is, to me, maybe the most heartbreaking scene yeah, in the series. Sure. Um, uh, Data Terrace storyboarded it. She did a really, really good job um, of what's coming up is this entire time Dipper's been having this journey of self-discovery and seeing his future as this wonderful thing that he can't wait for. Mabel has been like piece by piece seeing her idea of the summer fall apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you realize that they've, she's been listening, it's really... Tough. I also love the relationship, you know, as 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 Ford and Dipper's relationship grows stronger, Stan and Mabel also find like much more sort of connection. They, they both feel like the the sibling that's getting kind of sidelined. Ice cream for dinner. But I don't want to say goodbye to Gravity Falls. Hey, stop breaking America's heart, Kristen Shaw. <laughs> does America still have a heart to be broken? <laughs> Whoa, it does. <laughs> it does. It does. We're all dressed in war Road Warrior outfits. This was recorded the day that the apocalypse started. Let uh, history record. Um, if you can hear this, bring water to... <laughs> water. Bring water to this location. Water is gold. Water is gold now. There used to be a scene where um, Mabel learns from her parents that she can't bring Waddles back home. Yeah. Um, like, and we, we had to cut it for time, but it was going to oh, be... Oh, it got cut? Yeah, but it was going to be three heartbreaks. It was heartbreak number one. I watched the show. <laughs> well, I just remember recording that. I think oh, we, yeah, I we did record yeah. it. Well, we, we, there's it. a scene like that in the finale, but there was one here oh. where it was it was four heartbreaks. It was learning that high school's going to suck, learning that her friends aren't going to be there for her birthday, learning that Waddles isn't going to come with her back to Gravity Falls, and then the final heartbreak here, learning that even Dipper's not coming back with her to Gravity Falls. And this was also storyboarded by Dana Terrace, um, who did a really good job of making Mabel just incredibly heartbreaking. So sad. This, this idea of Mabel overhearing Dipper um, and feeling left out actually came from a real thing that happened between me and my sister. Uh, this is a weird anecdote about me and my sister, but we did these kind of like sort of competitive improv games when we were in middle school, like very nerdy. Um, and we, we like, we did pretty good. Like our team made, our team made it to the international competition every year. And there was this high school international. team. International. It, it was like, like around the world. Regional, state, and then leapt to international. Cause it was a very small, weird thing. Just go with this it. Program. national. You mean national. No, we competed against Japanese kids. They, oh my gosh. They kicked our butts every year. Okay, keep um, going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like we had a pretty good team, but there was a team above us, the high school team that was like legendary that we wanted to be like. Um, and when me and my sister went from junior high school to high school, like this was going to be our last year to do this sort of competitive improv. And I got a call from the high school team saying, hey, guess what? We've already rated your team for like the standout members. We've taken the people from your team that always do good scores. And we're combining the high school team and the middle school team into a super team. And we would like you to be on the high school team. And I was like, what about Ariel? And they're like, well, there's only seven members per team. And Ariel was listening in on the conversation. Oh. And I remember her like bursting into tears because they had basically been like, yeah, we got two Hershes, we only want one. 
Um, oh, and brutal. I didn't even blink. I just said, no, I refuse to be on this, t- Alex! On this team. Like, I couldn't. It was just like, this is so messed up. You're breaking this whole thing apart. Like, yeah, it's a great team. Yeah, you guys are awesome, but I, I'm not going to do this. You sacrificed your improv future. <laughs> I'm not going to do this without Ariel. That's um, so sweet. Like, um, and I just remember it being this awful moment where some external pressure was telling us, like, oh, you got to choose. You got to make a choice. Um, like, and it was like, it was a very personal thing. And so like, that's this insp- a big part of this inspiration of like, somebody comes in and says like, yeah, you, but not you. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and what this would do. And that I understand Dipper wanting to do it, but I also understand this feeling of like, there's something not right about this whole thing. Yeah. There's something. And, and there's and, a bigger picture. What you're sacrificing is. Yeah. Well, and it ended up being the right decision because that high school super team was a lot of egos and immediately fell apart. Like a month ah, into it, like see? they thought they were gonna put together everybody who was like, ah, these are the people who really bring their A game, and like just nobody could get along, and it totally imploded. Everybody was trying to lead the scene. Yeah, everyone wanted to be the leader. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this was a, a really tough scene to conceive because we always knew conceptually so for the series scary. that Mabel is going to be lied to. She's gonna be told, you can get one more day of summer. Um, and she's going to believe that she can get one more day of summer. That's all she wants is to just not have it quite end. Um, and she has no idea that she's giving this to Bill, that this is going to be the end of the world. And Bill has to trick Mabel right here. And it's a little bit of a writer's cheat that he possesses Blendon. But at this point, Mabel would never trust Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, when we originally came up with the story, which in the previous season we had thought about it, we thought, oh, maybe she makes a deal with Bill. At this point, we're like, Mabel's way too smart to make a deal with Bill. But Blendon, who at this point is kind of a kind of no longer an enemy we thought she could believe that Blendon, who controls yeah. time can extend the summer for her yeah, she has he, no idea what stakes are involved they got him hair after all it's the end of the world. oh boy and this scene storyboarded by Dana Terrace this is a terrifying uh, <laughs> <laughs> bumper <laughs> just People screaming in the apocalypse. I really wanted to ratchet up the stakes. Well, we've been teasing the apocalypse for a while now, so I wanted this episode to end on a serious note. Um, I didn't <laughs> know that. I didn't know how long the hiatus would be, though. I didn't know how long people would be waiting on this, terrified about the fate of Dipper and Mabel. <laughs> oh my goodness! 